Now I'm on. We're in Galatians chapter 5 today. Galatians 5, verses 22 to 25. Uh, We're going to start off a little different this morning. It's been a while since I have asked for volunteers to help me out. Uh, And from time to time, I like to do that for those kinesthetic learners in our midst, those who like to learn by doing things, especially the younger ones. And and the ones that I really like to be involved, they're not here today. Uh, But in honor of them, I need four volunteers. We got two brave people right here. Thank you. Thank you. Three. Good. Awesome. Awesome. Need one more. Come on, Jocelyn. Good deal. Yeah. Awesome. Give them a round of applause. Many of people have been here long enough that they know not to volunteer. But thank you for being brave for not knowing. So. Huh? <laughs> it's, it's easy. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. So, you all know the game Follow the Leader, right? Yeah? Okay. What's Follow the Leader? How do you play? You just follow the leader. Yeah, exactly. So, I am the leader. Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was perfect. Thank you, Karen. <laughs> okay, so... You all ready to follow me? Okay, love the enthusiasm. We're going to just start off nice. There you go. Now they're doing it. And we're going to skip. Almost. And now we're going to wobble. Got to copy that. And we're going to go like this. <laughs> oh, it's so much fun. Give someone a high five. There you go. <laughs> I could have done more evil things, but I decided not to. They're good. You can go. Part of the joys of being a pastor is making people do things that they wouldn't normally do on their own initiative. (laughs) Or doing things you might do, just not in front of people. (laughs) So, can anyone tell me what the basic rule of follow the leader is? Do what the leader says. Very good. Those, the person who is in charge gets to set the pace, gets to set the actions, and everyone else mimics him. You do what the leader says. It's a lot of fun. It's a very fun childhood came to do. I loved playing it. No one allowed me to be the leader growing up. (laughs) So thank you for allowing me to heal a heart wound. There. Follow the leader is the story of the Christian life. It is. We have a leader that we are following, and it's not me. 
It better not be the pastor that you're following. It better not be a Sunday school leader that you're following. We have a leader that we are following. And that leader is our Savior, Jesus Christ. But many times we don't follow him. You see, it is the story of the Christian life to play follow the leader. But too often, we're that bratty little kid who says, I don't want to follow you, as they all said to me. They didn't say that, sorry. Okay. We're that kid, and we say, we don't want to follow you, Jesus. We want to go our own way. We should be following him, but we sin. We should be following him, but we follow our addictions. And we follow all those other things instead of Jesus Christ. Over the past two months, we have talked a lot about sin in our life and how to break from the chains of sin and addiction. We've talked about how that we are powerless in our own strength. PC, did you click off of the program? Thank you. We're powerless in our own strength. We talked about how we must believe that God is the one who has the power to restore us because we don't. We talked about how by faith we have to trust God with our life and will through the grace offered with Jesus Christ. There must be a line in the sand moment where we say, yes, I realize I'm a sinner and there's nothing I can do about it. I turn to Jesus in faith and trust him to save my soul. We must have that moment in our life that we do that. Knowing who we are, knowing who God is, we are to look in the mirror and make a fearless moral inventory of ourselves and say, yes, this is me. These are the sins I struggle with. This is why I struggle with. This is why I turn to that thing instead of God. We, we fearlessly stare into the truth because truth brings change. All those steps right here on this screen are steps of believing truth. Truth is what sets us free. Truth is what breaks the chains of slavery truth. But truth must bring life change. We must see the truth and actually live according to it. So because of truth, we must be people who confess who we are. Because of truth, we must be people who repent what we have confessed. And then this week, we will see that we are people who must follow. We are people who must follow. We humbly ask God's spirit to change our hearts, and our minds in order to follow Christ fully is what we're going to talk about today. Our text is what Paul wrote to Galatians in Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 to 25. Paul writes, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us then keep in step with the Spirit. I wish these verses were easier to practice than what they are. But we must be people who follow. Will you pray with me? Father, thank you that you are the God who gave us the ability to follow you even though we look at ourselves and we see our sin and our ten tendencies, our wrong desires and priorities, and we don't see how we can change. But you've given us the ability to. Teach us what it means to follow you and to show us in our lives where we are not. 
Lord, may we not may we not be apathetic about our life and saying, oh, it's just okay. But may we desire to follow you wholly. May we not seek to believe a lie about ourselves, but to see the truth and see where we need to change. And Father, I pray that you would give us the strength to do it, to stare fully into our life and say, I don't want that to be me anymore. I want to be a God follower. Teach us what that looks like. And today, Father, give us the ability to take the steps to be that by your grace and your strength. Lord, you know I am distracted today and I'm tired and I pray that you'd give me the ability to speak clearly, to present your truth in a way that is understandable. And Father, as I stand up here, Lord, may I decrease and may you increase. And may the word of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, my rock and my redeemer. Thanks, Father. Amen. Last week was kind of the negative side of what we're talking about today. Last week we talked about repenting and how we are to see, once we see our sin for what it is, we are then to do the 180 turn and say, I want to follow you. We turn, we see the truth about our sin, we turn from it, and we turn towards God. And we talked about what, when, we, when we see the sin in our life, and how we don't want to do that sin. For the sake of the illustration, we'll say gluttony. We know that we eat too much. We don't want to do that. And we start thinking, okay, what makes me turn to gluttony? What is the path that leads me there? What are the triggers? And we say, okay, I'm going to put up barriers to make sure I don't even get on that path. I don't even go near those triggers. We say no to that we turn and follow God. It requires thought. It requires soul searching. It requires the ability to stare at truth and say, yes, this is me. This is why I do it, and I don't want to go there anymore. And then we set up those barriers so we don't go there anymore. It, it's kind of a negative action. I don't want that. Today is the positive side of that. It's saying, yes, I don't want that. I want this. I want to follow God. I want to follow, I want to allow the Spirit to change my life so I can follow Christ. So what does that look like to take that po positive action? We've turned away from our sin, and now we're turning to follow Him. Well, point one, the role of the Spirit. We are called to follow God, and He's given us the Spirit to help we ask the Spirit to change our lives that we might follow Christ. So who is the Spirit, and what is the role of the Spirit? The Holy Spirit, this is academic, not academic, this is elementary for some people. Some people, it's not. But it's necessary for us to build and to follow Christ to know some of the elemental things and to be reminded of some things that we already know. Because sometimes we go through life and we've been a Christian for 20, 30, 40, 50 years. And we say, oh yeah, I know that. But we forgot what it means to actually know it so that it will change us. 
So what is the Spirit? The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. We believe in three persons, one being. The Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, all equally God, all 100% God, but separate and distinct from each other because they all perform different roles and functions in the Godhead. The Holy Spirit, completely God, has been given to help us in the Christian life. Jesus speaks of this before he was crucified. He was in the upper room talking with his disciples, and he told them that he's going to leave, and the disciples were bummed, and they said, we don't want you to leave. You have the words of life. What are we going to do when you're gone? We're going to be like bits of speck tossed about on the waves of the ocean, and Jesus said, don't worry. I'm bringing someone. John 14, 16 to 17, Jesus said, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I could spend all day talking about what the spirit does. It's an amazing gift that God has given us, that in and of ourselves, we cannot live the Christian life because we're sinners, We will naturally go after sin because we like it. It makes us feel good. And that little moment of, hmm, allows us to do our own thing. And we want to worship ourselves. We don't want to worship and follow God. And so we go after that all the time. Naturally, that's what we do. Even after we accepted Christ and said, I realize I'm a sinner. I need you. Save me. Even after that, our natural inclination is to sin. So Jesus said... I'm giving you someone to help you. At the moment of faith, we turn to Jesus. He gives us the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is a seal to guarantee us that we will live forever with Christ. It's not a maybe, wonder, maybe, possibly. It's a yes, we are going to spend eternity with Jesus. The Holy Spirit's a seal for that. But also the Holy Spirit is with us to give us strength and walk with us in life to let us know that's not the way you want to go. This is the way you want to go, and this is the strength by which you will go that way. The Holy Spirit is that leader in the follow the leader game. That all we have to do is look at him and do what he does. And he gives us the strength. It's not just like us following him along the path and saying, oh yeah, he's doing this, he's doing that, I'm going to do that. But he, he shows us do this and then he comes alongside and lifts our hands up to allow us and help us to do it. It's not in our own strength. It is him working through us. The Holy Spirit is an amazing gift. All the things the Holy Spirit does. I, I've got two days worth of Sunday school material on the Holy Spirit, and that's just a drop in the bucket, and today only have four minutes. The Holy Spirit, what does the Holy Spirit do for us? The Holy Spirit empowers us by giving life. Romans chapter 8, verse 11 says, and if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, and he is, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who gives life in you. The Holy Spirit comes in and he regenerates us. He gives us this new life in Christ that we have, and he gives us the strength to live that new life in Christ. Acts 1, 8. <laughs> did I skip over it? No, I didn't. Okay, okay, yeah, all right, I did. The Holy Spirit empowers 
by giving strength for service, is what I've been saying all this time. Romans 8, 26, in the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We don't know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. He empowers us by service, by helping us pray. Acts 1, 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. The Holy Spirit comes in and gives us power so we can witness to people, as we've been talking about in Sunday school, how to have this gospel-shaped outreach focus as a church. Ephesians 6, 16 to 17, in addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, which which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. The Holy Spirit strengthens us by serves by actually fighting the spiritual battles for us. We take up the Holy Spirit and we say, help us. I'm struggling against sin. I'm struggling with this. I'm struggling against the attacks of the devil. And the Holy Spirit steps in and fights for us. The Holy Spirit purifies us. 1 Corinthians 6, 11, that is what some of you were, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. The Holy Spirit sanctifies us at the moment of salvation, but he reminds us of that purification every day when the devil comes in and says, you remember what you were, you remember what you've struggled with, that's your identity. And the Holy Spirit says, no, it isn't. You're washed, you're purified, that's not you anymore. Your identity is something different. The Holy Spirit guides and directs God's people. Galatians 5, 16. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you... (laughs) It's going too much. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. The Holy Spirit guides and directs us. It teaches us the way we are supposed to walk. The Holy Spirit reveals truth by teaching us. John 14, 26, the words of Jesus. But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I've said to you. There's lots of people who say, oh, I can't go and share about my faith. I don't know what to say. That's what the Holy Spirit's for. The Holy Spirit teaches us what to say. And so that moment we open our mouth and all of a sudden the things we didn't know we could say, we're starting to say. He, he guides us in that. The Holy Spirit reveals by giving assurance. The Holy Spirit reveals by giving assurance. John, 1 John 3, 24. The one who keeps God's commands lives in him, and he in them. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it by the Spirit he gives us. There's lots of people who struggle with their salvation. They struggle, are they saved or not? And the Holy Spirit says, no, you are. And he gives them evidence of their salvation in their life. The Holy Spirit reveals truth by giving assurance. This really is hopping around all over the place. The Holy Spirit reveals by giving assurance. 1 John 3, 24, the one who keeps God's commands lives in them and he in them. Okay, that's, where am I going? Wow, the Holy Spirit unifies. Holy Spirit unifies. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 3, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. That was a lot and it wasn't doing what I really wanted to do, but that's okay. God gave us the Holy Spirit to show us what we are to know, to show us how we are to act, and to empower us to do it. The Holy Spirit, as someone very basely observed, is like the gasoline in our vehicle. It allows the Christian life to go. Paul says in our text, that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The Holy Spirit produces all that fruit in us 
It's not like we have to go and grunt our way to produce these character qualities and these elements. The Holy Spirit, when it's in our heart, produces it. It's a natural flowing. When you put flowers in soil and water it and put nutrients, it will bloom. The same way is true with our Christian life. If we are following God, if we are seeking to, be, to have the Holy Spirit change us, we will bloom in these ways that Scripture tells us. Put simply, the Spirit leads and empowers us in the Christian life. So instead of living according to our sins and addictions, we are to follow the Spirit. We are to follow Christ as the Spirit changes us. But how? It's one thing to read verses like Galatians chapter 5 and say, yeah, that's great. I want that to be me. Instead of all this sin that I'm struggling with, I want Galatians chapter 5. Inside of all my addictions, I want Galatians chapter 5. But how is that? I would rather dive into a life of love and peace than to dive in the sin that brings death. I would rather live with self-control than to feel like my life is spinning out of control by, because of my addictions. But how do I follow the Spirit? Our text, Galatians 5, says, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. That's what Paul says in our text. That's nice, but it's not very helpful. It's a fact of like, okay, we've crucified the flesh, I understand that's my identity, and we're to keep in step with the Spirit. But how? Paul, this isn't helpful. How do we do it? Well, the Spirit works through the Word of God. The Spirit works through the Word of God. All Scripture, Paul says in 2 Timothy 3, is inspired by God and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness, that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. That's what Paul says in 2 Timothy 3, 16 to 17. The Holy Spirit, it says it's God-breathed. The Holy Spirit inspired the authors of the Bible to write everything that is in it, from Genesis to Revelation. And as we read these inspired words of God, the Holy Spirit starts to work in our life starts to impress truths on our heart and equip us for all these good works. It happens as we are reading this inspired word of God, it starts to change us. Because as we're reading it, we're bringing God's word into our mind and our heart, and he begins to transform our mind, replacing the ugly desires of sin and addiction with his desires and his will. The psalmist wrote this in Psalm 119, 9 to 11. How can a person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. The holy word of God, when we bring it in, when we read it, and it changes our heart, it changes our mind. It renews us so that our desires are taken away with the garbage and the new desires come in. We spend time with God and he renews us. He speaks to us. Romans chapter 12, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and prove what God's will is, his good and pleasing and perfect will. We read the word of God, our mind is renewed, and then we can start living how God calls us to live. If we do not spend time reading the word of God, 
we will not be able to follow Christ through the regeneration of the Spirit. Our life will not change unless we seek God through his word. The word, the, God, the Bible is how we hear from God. It's how we fill our mind with good, replacing junk. Prayer is the means by which we talk with God. But it's also a means by which God changes us. He changes us as we read his word, but he also changes us as we come close to him in prayer. Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18, he says, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. We are called to pray continually. When we have a life of praying through all these things that were going on, and we take all these things that we're dealing with, and we use all these things to turn us to Christ, our life starts changing. The desires and priorities of our heart start changing because we're training ourselves and God is teaching us to seek him through all things instead of seeking all this other stuff. If we think about anxiety, anxiety is something that a lot of people struggle with. And it is, it is, anxiety is a product of not pursuing Christ. And I, I, I got a whole proof of why I can prove it, but I don't have time for it right now. But Paul says, Philippians 4, 6-7, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the result of praying is that the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Peace comes through pursuing a relationship with Jesus through prayer. If we struggle with anxiety, God replaces that with peace. The purpose of prayer is not getting what we want. It's not. Prayer is not this divine vending machine where we have a need and we come in, we place our quarter and we press the button and we wait until finally the machine cranks to life and drops hopefully what we want in the tray down there. We grab it and we say, thanks, and we keep going. That's not what prayer is. Prayer, sure, God wants to know our hearts and he wants us to bring our requests to him, but when we do, he comes in through the Holy Spirit and he starts doing surgery on us. And he starts saying, yeah, that's what you want and that's what you want, but let me tell you what you actually need and let me change those desires to be reflective of my own. We come near him through prayer and we see his awesomeness as we spend time praying, and we realize, I want that. And all the things of this world start fading away as we invest in this relationship with the creator of the universe. The psalmist said this in Psalm 37, verse four, take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. But the thing is, when we take delight in the Lord, he is our desire. And his desires become ours. And his will becomes what we want. And so yes, when we delight ourselves in the Lord, we'll get the desires of our heart because he has changed them to be actually what they are supposed to be. When we struggle with sin, we need to come to the Lord. 
and fill our mind with his word and continually seek God in prayer so that he will transform our soul, transform our mind. Because when we say, God, I am struggling with that, instead of sitting here and struggling with that, I'm going to turn to you because I want you. And he'll come in and take that desire and say, not anymore, so that we will hate that sin if we would just come to him and seek his help. And he gives us the strength to turn away. It's called communing with God, and we could talk about John 15 all we want to. The Spirit works through Bible study. The Spirit works through prayer. The Spirit works finally through community. In the early church, whenever anyone accepted Christ, they immediately dived into fellowship with other believers. They immediately did. It wasn't a, oh yes, I am following God. I love him, he is mine, and I'm going to worship him in my own little room over here. In the early church, whenever anyone accepted Christ, the church gathered around him and said, you are now one of us. And those new converts spend all their time with members of the church. Acts chapter 2 talks about this. It's too long of a passage to put on the screen. Acts 2, verses 42 to 47 Luke writes, they devoted themselves, these new converts, to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles, and all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need, and every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. The people, new converts, accepted Christ. And every day, they were with the rest of the believers, worshiping God and learning what it means to follow him. One of the, resu- one of the results of this devotion to community was life change. Was saying, I realize, because I'm spending time with all these believers, I realize the sin that I'm struggling with, that I didn't know it was sin, but now I do. And I'm going to turn from that. Acts chapter 19 talks about this. In Acts 19, 18 to 20, many of those who believed now came and openly confessed what they did in the body of Christ there. They're saying, this is what I struggle with. This is the sins, the horrible things I've done. A number who had practiced sorcery brought their scrolls together and burned them publicly. And when they'd calculated the value of the scrolls, the total came to 50,000 drachmas, 50,000 days' wages. A lot of stuff. And why? Because they were worshiping God with community. Coming together revealed the sin, and people gave them the strength to say, I don't care about how much this is going to cost me. I'm going to turn away from it. The Spirit works through community to change us. And in this way, the word of the Lord spread wildly and grew in power because people on the outside saw, wait a minute, what's happening in that community? that people have the ability to change and not care about money so much that they actually want to just live and follow Christ and turn away from all this. The author of Hebrews writes this, Hebrews 10, 24 to 25, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together, some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Spirit works through the community to change us, to convict us, to strengthen us. 
Our time together is an important part of our sanctification, of our ability to turn from sin and turn to Jesus Christ. If we refuse to spend time with the people of God, we will not grow spiritually, and we will not be able to break the chains of sin and addiction that bind us. It's just the truth. The same can be said of the other points today. If we refuse to spend time with God daily in prayer, we will not grow spiritually, and we will not break the chains of sin and addiction that bind us. If we refuse to spend time with God daily in Bible study, we will not grow spiritually, and we will not break the chains of sin and addiction that bind us. It will not happen. God has given us these gifts as a way of changing us and rejuvenating us and regenerating us. But if we will not take those tools, they cannot help us. There's a tons more spiritual disciplines that the church has practiced over the years. I've got resources in my office if you want to learn more about other ways that we, get to, we can pursue Christ and these other gifts he's given us that the church calls spiritual disciplines. Let me know. All these ways of following the leading of the Spirit to allow us, him to change us from the inside out, to say, no, I don't want the world, I want you, God. What is the result of all this stuff? Of filling our lives with the pursuit of Christ through the regeneration of the Spirit. Well, put simply, we will have a changed life. If we say no to all the world and start following God through daily prayer, Bible study, spending time with the community as often as we can, we will have a changed life. Remember what Paul says, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. When we humbly ask God's Spirit to change our hearts and minds in order to follow Christ fully, He will do it. It's a promise. He said, if, you're gonna do, if you do this, I will change you. It's a guarantee. As we follow Him, keeping in step with the Spirit, He produces fruit in our lives. Now, can I say a pet peeve? Is that okay? Can we just talk? Paul does not say the fruits of the Spirit. You see that? Lots of people, like Sunday school lessons, they'll talk about the fruits of the Spirit are these things. Paul doesn't say the fruits of the Spirit. Does not say the fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience. He does a really weird grammatical thing. He said the fruit of the Spirit is singular, and then he has a whole bunch of things after it. What in the world, Paul, are you doing? My grammar teacher would be appalled at this. Am I right, Sharon? Yeah. This has caused so many people to conjecture about so many things. Some people say that, you know what? What Paul is saying is that the fruit of the Spirit is love, which is defined by joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Other people say, no, just like the Trinity is one God, three persons, so the fruit of the Spirit is one fruit, seven things, like a raspberry. 
I don't know. I'll let you decide that. The point is that the Spirit changes our life, and that change will manifest in lots of different ways, one of which, some might say the foremost of which, is love, because it's the first that Paul lists, is love. We could talk about the other things, but one of the main things throughout Scripture that changes in our heart as we pursue Christ is we become people who love. As we pursue Christ, allowing the Spirit to change us, he will grow us in a love for God. Jesus referred to this in the greatest commandment in Mark chapter 12, verses 29 to 30. Jesus said, the most important commandment is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. You love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all the soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. When we pursue sin and addiction, we are saying that we love this thing. We love it. It is our God. It is our idol. And we love it more than God the one true God. As we pursue Christ, allowing the Spirit to change us, he grows in us a love for God, a love which affects our lives, affects our whole selves. Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength, with all your soul. Affects the wholeness, this whole self of saying, I am defined, every single part of me, by love for God. We just got through Valentine's Day. Not very many people in this room have a teenager who is in love. (laughs) But we have all seen a teenager that is in love. Have we not? Some of us see it and we run the opposite direction because it is so sickening. The sweet sappiness just drips off it, and you feel like you have to follow with a mop on the floor behind them. (laughs) Oh, dear. They're devoted to each other. They want to spend all their time, and when they're not spending time with each other, they're now texting each other. When I was a teen, they didn't have texting. Well, they did, but my parents wouldn't spend for it. I suppose that saved me a bit. certainly saved them but they're spending all their time together. They, they just want to spend time, and when they are, they're, they're wanting what's best for each other. Oh, you pick where we're going to eat. Oh, you pick. No, it's okay. You pick. Oh, you go. <laughs> and they giggle. And it's... But that is how we're supposed to be with God. It's interesting if you read through Song of Solomon and you stop blushing enough to get through it. And you read deep, but not too deep, just deep enough. And you see how this, this love, this beautiful love that a man and woman is to have for each other, that we have marred by our sin, and we've started to say, oh, that's sickening, when actually this is designed to be good. And we see this love devoted Silly love between a man and a woman is Christ's love for us and our love for him. That we are supposed to want, but it's this desire that we are so in love with our Savior Jesus Christ that we want to spend all our time with him. 
And we can't think of not doing it. In fact, when we get pulled away from it, we yearn to go back. The hymn says, oh, it's the sweet hour of prayer. That sweetness of spending time with the one who loved us so much that he died to redeem us from the pits of hell. And that yearn that drives us says, I want to spend time with you, and I want my life to be all about your desires, what you want. You pick it because I love you. It may not be about me, but maybe about you. As we spend time with Jesus, allowing the Spirit to change us, we become completely in love with him, and that love drives out the sin and the addiction. It's not a legalism thing where God says we don't do it, therefore we don't do it. It's a response of love, that I'm so much in love with you, that yeah, you have my whole life. The Spirit grows that love in us as he changes us. The Spirit also grows in us a love for others. Sin and addiction is a really selfish thing. Every time we sin, every time we pursue an addiction, it is, it's all based on pride, saying, I'm going to look out for myself and not for others. Not for God, not other people. This is my decision. I'm going to live my life. I'm going to do what's best for me. Once we start growing in our love for God, the Spirit also changes us so that we grow in love for others. Jesus, when discussing the most important commandment, he talked about love the Lord thy God. He said the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. There's no commandment greater than these. When we begin to stop obsessing about what we want, what will make us happy or us restful and start saying, God, I love you. You got my life. He'll start teaching us to think about others around us. And so that we have a less of a desire to sin, we have a less desire to pursue our addictions because we see how our actions actually hurt those around us. We see how our pride and our selfishness is breaking down our relationships and is giving emotional hurt or financial hurt or whatever hurt to people around us. And we say, you know, out of love for them, I'm saying no more to this. Only the Spirit can produce that change in us. Because left to ourselves, we're sinful, we're prideful, we're selfish. Only the Spirit can start molding our heart to be where we can start caring about God and others over ourselves. But it's only as we pursue that Spirit. And as we pursue the Christ, allowing the Spirit to change us, we will become people of love, people of joy, people of peace, people of forbearance, people of kindness, people of goodness, people of faithfulness, people of gentleness, people of self-control. Let us be people who follow. Let us humbly ask the Spirit to change our hearts and our minds so that we can follow Christ fully. Will you pray with me? Father, thank you that you are the God who saw that we needed help. And so yes, you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. We don't have to do anything to earn it, but all we have to do is turn to you in faith and you change us. Father, I pray that you would change us. Thank you for giving us the spirit to teach us how to live this life and give us the strength to do it. Today, Father, I pray that you would reveal to all of us where we are not following you and that when you do, Lord, please help us not to turn away from that and repulsion and trying to forget it. But when we stare at the truth and say, yes, this is me and teach us to turn to you 
and gain the help that we need. Lord, may you be our all in all. May that just not be words that we say, but may we fall in love with you because you, Lord, are worthy and we are needy. Give us giddiness for you, Lord, and change our hearts. Thanks, Father. Amen. Let's stand and take our hymnals and turn to number 444. 444, I'll go where you want me to go. <laughs>